Hello, hello, everybody. What's going on? It's Eva Miller. Welcome to the podcast. Moose and I recently attended a coaching summit. Uh, it was hosted by Brendan Burchard. And today we're going to share our good, bad, and ugly takeaways from it. Hey, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Eva Miller. As a domestic violence survivor turned life and wellness coach, I'm here to help you fully know your value, reclaim your power, and boldly create the life you love instead of living from someone else's script. So if you're feeling stuck and looking for help, or you just want to be reminded that it's okay to be your unique self in a conforming world, you're in the right place. Don't water down your wild. Step out of the race you never wanted to be in and forge your own path. Let's go. I had another episode lined up for today, but I decided I wanted to talk about this instead while it was fresh on my mind. And I asked Big Sexy to join me for this one because while he attended with me, as usual, his perspective comes from a completely different place than mine. And I wanted you to hear more than just one side. So, hi, Big Sexy. Hi, beautiful. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me out from left field, because that's where my perspective comes from. Way out and left. Sometimes, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, Coaching Summit. Coaching Summit is for new or experienced coaches or someone who serves as a coach or trainer type of role in their company. Some companies sent you know representatives uh, to the Coaching Summit to check it out and get the education and take notes and bring back information. And as you know, I am a coach, but what you don't know is that I've actually been working with one of Brendan's high performance coaches on his team for almost a year now. And I've experienced a lot of growth and mindset shifts. And when I got the email about the summit, something in my gut told me I absolutely needed to make it happen so that I could go. And I asked Moose if he wanted to go with me. And his first response was, but I'm not a coach. <laughs> No, you're not. But I read you the information, and then you made the decision. Yeah, because you needed arm candy. Yeah, that's what he said to me. Okay, I'll go. I'll be your arm candy, your trophy husband. So, All joking aside, though, I just felt deep inside that this was something that we needed to do. This was the next step for us to take together as a, you know, as a team, because when you invest in self-improvement, it's critical. I mean, it, it's an investment. It is. Sometimes, though... When, especially when it comes to personal development, that investment can feel uncomfortable or impossible. Mm -hmm. And there's kind of a scale in there. This was not the most expensive conference we've attended. Right. The tickets were extremely reasonable. Plus, we got the early bird price because we ordered right away. Mm -hmm. They went up later on as they went. Just the whole thing of the like it was at a swanky hotel mm -hmm. and it was expensive and um there was the whole travel thing where we're going to fly where we're going to drive all of that kind of stuff so there was kind of a lot to think about but in the end everything that you do that matters requires some level of sacrifice and challenge mm -hmm. and i viewed this much the way i have all the others i've paid more for some coaches i've paid less for some coaching this is definitely somewhere in the middle and Conferences, of course, they all vary. Anyway. Yeah, you had mentioned it being you know, uncomfortable or impossible. When we start thinking about personal development, we don't want to put a whole lot of money into ourselves. Yeah. And that's why we say this is an investment because you're investing in something because what you get out of it is so much more valuable than what 
the initial cost is. Yeah, there's always a, a return on that investment, isn't there? Yes. Okay, so since you are the not already a coach person, the quote-unquote outsider, and I use that term just because personal development has always been my jam, like as far back as I can remember, mm-hmm. even like when I was a an older teenager, um, and it's not really yours. So I was wondering if you would share your good takeaway with me, and then I'll share my good, because I'm very curious to know what your takeaways were. That's right, because my notes are classified. Oh, I don't yeah. let you see them. <laughs> I really have not seen his list at all. He made it. I have not looked. I didn't peek or anything. Yeah, one of the the main good ones that really slapped me in the face is it helps you determine what's the next right move for me. Mm -hmm. You know, I put that in there because I didn't really ever thought about that. So people can understand that what's the next right move for me. That's why you need a coach because they can help you find that inside of yourself because it's already there. But if you don't have a coach, mm-hmm. it's going to take you a lot longer to pull that out. Another one of the good was just the energy in the room. It was incredible, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know what to expect. And then I get in there and it's like, holy, you just can't help but feed off of all of that energy that's in there. He definitely is a generator. Mm-hmm. I, I had seen clips from his conferences before we went. It was my first personal development conference this is my first Brendan Burchard conference. I had heard about his energy. I'd seen snippets, but boy, it was it was on the, another level. It it he is on another level for sure. Keep yeah. going. I got to give a little bit of a backstory to this next one because we geocache, and if you don't know what that is, that's you know you're using a GPS to find treasures in the woods or somewhere. And so I've got this GPS in front of me, and we're walking through the woods, and I say, oh, the cache is just over here. So we cut off, you know, Scooby-Doing it up the side of a mountain. And we used to call those wild moose chases because there were a few times that I'd let us right up to the edge of a cliff, and it's like, oh, it's down there. We could have gone around. Or we come up to a trail or even a road cut through the middle of the woods that's right there instead of going the easy way, and we took the hard way. So I cannot count the number of times we have gone around our elbow to get to our butt. When we were geocaching. And for those who don't geocache, it's usually just like a piece of Tupperware or Rubbermaid container with a notebook, a tiny little notebook, or just loose paper and an ink pen or pencil in it um, because you sign the log. That's the whole idea. It's just like a hide-and-seek kind Mm -hmm. of treasure game. So, anyway. But what brought that up in my head was, you know, we're sitting there, and he makes the comment. He says, the time to have a map is before you get into the woods. And the wild moose chase is just... Flew into my head. It's like, you know, we had a map. I ignored it. So if you've got the map, you follow the map. See, and all that time, yeah. I thought you were always trying to just kill me. No, no. I thought you were just like trying you. to off me. No. no How many no. cliffs have I almost fallen off of? A couple. A couple. <laughs> there was that one. I literally was falling. Yeah, your, your feet were hanging off, and I was going to... I ran to the base <laughs> of it to catch you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and then there was that one where you ignored the trail, mm. and we came out and almost walked off of the cliff. Yeah. Yeah, that was good times, good times. The other one, you know, one of the other ones anyway, I got you know a few here. People need a coach to help them see beyond their struggle. Yes. To help them identify that silver lining, because you may not see it while you're in it, but a coach can help you see and ask you the questions of, okay, so what if you walk down this path? What would your life look like then? Yeah, I love that he pointed out, because this is something that is 
very, very hard for us, especially we're in the middle of something. Mm -hmm. When a thing happens and it's tragic or bad or painful or all of those things, we can't see past the nose on our face in that moment. Mm -hmm. It can be true that, yes, something terrible, painful, horrible did happen, while also being true that that very thing can be used for good somehow. Yeah. You may have to look really hard, but that is something I actually deeply believe and have seen in my own life. And I love that he pointed that out because he even said, this can be true while this is also true. Mm -hmm. And I loved that. Yeah. And I saved my my best good for last because I didn't know what to expect going into this. The main reason I went was just to support you and to be there for you and to, you know, go through this whole thing with you. But what I walked away from is tons and tons of information that I've been processing since. Mm -hmm. And a strong, it's a strong potential of another career path for me to get get out of what I'm doing that I don't really enjoy that affects me mentally, physically. It affects my health because I don't like the job I'm in. There's a lot of stress. So now I've got not necessarily a roadmap per se, but I've got, oh, I could do this because of what he went through and the way he explained things and the way he came across. It's like, you know, here's a framework that I can start working off of to come up with something. That was my biggest good out of this was, oh, wow. So there is something other than what I'm doing now that can really benefit us and our family and just make me a much better person all the way around. That's very cool. Yeah, I thought so. Wow. I'm not at all surprised, though, I will say that, because I felt like I had a feeling this wasn't going to be only strictly coaching. Knowing that Brendan is big in marketing, because he was a writer first, Mm -hmm. and then he became a coach and a trainer, and he has a whole marketing podcast. I just had a funny feeling that you were going to walk away with something, and I didn't know it would be that. So, my good. Hit me with it. Lay it on me. Come on. (laughs) This was a world class conference, in my opinion. I would agree with that. Yeah. I have been to many, 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 many conferences into the double digits between homeschooling, marriage conferences, business conferences, network marketing, and religious conferences. This was my first one of his and my first personal development conference. This blows everything else I've ever been to out of the water. Knowledge, value, energy, uh, teaching, networking. I networked more at this conference than I do at network marketing conferences. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Another thing that I really liked about this was the breakout groups. When we got there, like I knew before we went that the days were going to be starts at 9 a.m., ends at 7 p.m. I assumed there would be a two-hour lunch break just because of the amount of people that were going to be there and trying to get them shuffled around. I didn't think about breakout groups. They intentionally, they don't give you an itinerary for these conferences. Brendan doesn't do Mm -hmm. that. And I was okay with that because I actually kind of just felt like they can handle it. I don't need to worry about what time one thing is supposed to start or if we're running late or anything like that. So I didn't, I was fine with that. But then when we got there and checked into the hotel and I think we had a pamphlet or something in Mm -hmm. there, something told us about breakout groups. And I was like, oh man, I hate 
breakout groups, okay? They're always really awkward, especially the ones that were religious conferences and homeschool conferences. They were the worst. It always seemed like the people were uncomfortable in some way. They had very big insecurity vibes about them, like everyone at these conferences. This conference didn't feel like that. But you had asked me if you knew that there were breakout groups before we came, would you still have come? And I thought about it for like two seconds and was like, well, yeah, because at the end of the day, I trust that Brendan is going to put on a really great conference. And if there are breakout sessions, it's going to be something that is helpful and needed. Intentional. Yes. And so, but there's usually just that whole awkwardness, but these breakout groups were not like that at all. I'll be honest, between just all of it, I I felt like I was among my people. Mm -hmm. Everyone there is very growth-minded, and I freaking loved that because I don't have a lot of that in my life, in everyday life. You were in your little nerddom. I was in my nerddom. Yes, I was. You know, my coach and I, sometimes I'll say things to her. Her name is Betsy, and I'll say things to Betsy, and, and I'll say, I know that probably sounds dorky, and she's like, you realize you just said that to a high-performance coach, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I forget who I'm talking to. She geeks out on that stuff, too, and it's great. But, like, comparing at homeschool conferences, this is one of the ways it stood out to me, and if you're like me, you're going to get it, and you're going to love this, too. At homeschool conferences, one of the first one or two that I went to I met a woman who had 10 kids. She had homeschooled all of them all the way through. And she still told me she didn't know what the heck she was doing. And I was very bothered by that because I'm like, really, you seem as lost in me as me. And this is my first time. I understand that when it comes to parenting kids, it's hard. There's no map. You don't know what you're doing. And you're sort of stumbling in the dark. But at the same time, if you know why you're doing something, when you know your why... Other things fall into place, and or at least fall into line, and the, it becomes clearer. Your path, your direction becomes clearer. I won't tell you that I quote-unquote knew what I was doing when my youngest was in, you know, seventh or ninth grade, because by then I'd been homeschooling for 11, 12 years-ish by the time I'd done both of them. But at the same time, I wasn't completely lost. I knew what path I was trying to take these kids down. I knew what their learning styles were. I knew what motivated them. And so to talk to a woman my first year who was doing it for like her 12th or something, I don't know, 15th, bunch of years, and for her to still be so lost, those are the kind of people that I met often. And it always really bothered me. But I got into these groups and someone was like, hey, what area do you coach in? And I was like, oh, I coach women specifically in this area for these things, yada, yada. And I got to give that elevator pitch in every single group. Yeah. It's so funny because I never once, I mean, people, men and women stood in those those groups nodding their heads like, oh, yeah, that's really good. That's needed. Mm-hmm. There was no feeling like. I'm going to sound arrogant when I say this, or I'm going to sound like I'm full of myself, or maybe I won't explain it right. Like these people, they just got it. Mm -hmm. Even that one banker guy who Mm -hmm. was new, he was, when I said what I do, he was like, oh yeah, that's, that's good. That's needed. Mm -hmm. I really felt like for the first time ever at any conference in my life, I was with my people. This was 
my tribe. And you know, marriage conferences weren't quite the same insecure as some of the homeschooling conferences I've been to, but it was always very clear which couples were there who were in a good place in their relationship and which ones weren't. It's hard to hide that kind of thing. But at the same time, if you're in a hard season of marriage and you're at a conference or a retreat, that's a great place to start to get the help you need to go forward. If your ego doesn't make you get it twisted. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with homeschooling. You know, if you're homeschooling and you're at a conference and you don't know what you're doing, that's the place to ask questions. Just like this was a place, in my opinion, for you, who's not a coach, to ask a bunch of questions at a conference like this. Oh, yeah. Because of the clarity that you get. Like, it's that whole thing of who needs a doctor, the sick or the healthy. It's obviously the sick. So if if you don't have a pride problem, and you are willing to be coachable, to be teachable, to ask questions and let someone kind of lead you a little bit in some areas and point you in some directions, I feel like you can really make some headway. Well, yeah, and, and the breakout sessions, you know, I'm saying, you know, I came here for arm candy and stuff like that. And then I started as the day went on and the days went on, I got more comfortable talking about some of the things that I was starting to think about and the encouragement that I've got and the uh, suggestions and the help and the, well, have you thought about this? Well, what about this? And when you think about that, what do you think of this? So just that in those groups was like, oh, wow. Okay. This is great. It's just on another level. Nobody was threatened. Yes. Yes. It was, it was just, it was world-class. Okay. So I covered the breakout groups. I said that those were good. What else is on my list over here? Um, You know, I think the fact that I'm in a different place now than I was all the other times I've gone to conferences has something to do with the different feeling that I have. But I also feel like a big chunk of it is due to the actual nature of this conference. Mm -hmm. Brendan, his flavor, his flair, what he brings, all that. I loved the breakouts because... They were done differently than other breakouts have been. And by different, I mean a lot better than the ones I have been parts of before and the way it was done. I I walked away realizing that I really liked these and they were a really great tool. The other good that I would say was the logistics. I think you'd probably agree with me. So when you registered or when you checked in, they didn't give you the, I already told you, they didn't give you an itinerary. So there was a lot less brain clutter for me and nothing for me to obsess over about time. You walked up, they had you choose your lanyard color and they told you if you are with a person or a group of people, make sure you all choose the same lanyard color because the color of your lanyard, there's going to be a, a ribbon or a flag or something at a door that'll be the same color. And the door's they are opened not all at once. They are opened color by color, and yeah. they switch. You want to make sure you get seats near your friends. You want to all choose the same lanyard color. And I liked that. I liked the way they did the doors opening at different times, and then they rotated. So we chose the orange lanyard because, of course, we're Tennessee fans. So we lined up at the orange door, and on the first day... We went in first. Uh, we went in first. And then on a second day... We went in last. We were last. And then on the third day, our we group was middle. second. And so um, they gave each color group a chance to go in and get their seats before they opened the doors to the next. And I really liked that. And the colored door to enter, mm-hmm. we ended up seeing some of the people in the breakout groups were people we were sitting around. And they would be from any of the groups. But a couple of the guys, like that one guy, Zachary, mm-hmm. I think was his name... 
he actually was from Tennessee as well. Yeah. And we ended up standing outside the orange door and talking more over the next couple of days, even though we only met on the first day in a breakout group. I also liked the way they set up the rows and all that, like logistically, the rows were shorter, mm-hmm. so there's only like 10 chairs. So even if you were sitting in the middle, you didn't have to walk past like 10 people to get to the end mm-hmm. of the aisle to go to the bathroom. Yeah. And they were spaced far apart. I really liked that. The rows, the chairs were further apart Yeah, I'm a big normal. guy, so usually when we go to these conferences, the chairs are side by side. I mean, there's no gap between them, and I feel like I've got to hunch my shoulders forward and lean forward just so I'm not spread out over everybody yeah. else. And it was very, you know, usually they're very uncomfortable. But this was, you know, I, I had room. Yeah. I wasn't hitting anybody. And they weren't right up against me, yeah. touching me. So It was good. Yeah. And the aisles were wide between each section. Mm-hmm. I liked that too. Okay. That's all I have for the good. Mm. Tell me about your bad. <laughs> my bad. Yeah. Um, you know, I said that one of my good was the excitement and the energy in the room, right? Yeah. One of my bad was the noise generated from the excitement oh gosh, and the energy too. in the room. Yes. Because it was so loud. It was. For so long, even when you're waiting to go in and you're at your door, there's probably 97,000,582 conversations going on at the <laughs> largest volume they can come up with. And you hear them all. Oh, I, yeah. I have that down. I only have one bad. I don't know how many <laughs> you have, but I only have one bad, but that's my bad. Mm-hmm. And. I liked the crowd when we were in the room. I was fine with that. For me, the bad that I'm talking about is when we were standing outside the orange door and that guy, Mike, you know, they didn't open it Mm -hmm. yet. So Mike was standing there. He's on Brendan's staff and everybody's talking all at once. I could hear all of those. How many trillion, billion, kerbillion conversations that were going on. I could hear every one of them. I could not hear my own thoughts. And I didn't take my earbuds because I'm going to a conference. I'm trying to network with people and I'm trying to learn. What am I going to do with earbuds? But, oh, my God, how I wish I would have had them mm-hmm. so that I could have put them in because they're noise canceling. I would have liked to have had that. That was the uh, that was the only bad that I had. And I think mm-hmm. maybe that part would have been a little different. It Like we were having conversations with people. But they weren't like our people, so they weren't in-depth, engrossed conversations. So it might have been different if we had been with friends that we knew better. I don't Mm -hmm. know. What else you got? Um, You know, you had mentioned that we were in this swanky hotel. Really nice. Yeah. There was not a fridge in the room. Well, yeah. And we asked them for one, and they bring us this little cube fridge. And we tried to be good. We stopped at an H-E-B supermarket on the way there and we Woo-hoo, got H-E-B. vegetables that and other things like that because we were going to be good right so we put them in this refrigerator <laughs> and it froze our vegetables yep so so much for being good actually we tried to bring healthy snacks you know ice carrots not so good on the teeth so yeah um, <laughs> okay yep i agree I, I did appreciate that they brought us a fridge mm-hmm. so quickly that was very cool yeah, yeah. um yeah because yeah, our vegetables needed to freeze faster <laughs> At least our water stayed cold. <laughs> true, true. There was that. Okay, what else you got that's bad? Anything? The long days. They were long. Yeah. Because you figure, like, it didn't dawn on me, okay, 9 to 7. Like, we want to be moseying downstairs at 8-ish so we can be in line to wait at like 8.30, 8.45-ish. So, Really, it was eight, and we got out at seven, and then mm-hmm. all of us are mass exiting, and and then you got to go find something to eat. Yeah, 
That part wasn't great. I, I tell you what, though, next time I go to a Brendan conference, at least I know I have to start training for a marathon first. Mm-hmm. I get why. Apparently, he takes ice baths every night after he speaks. And I guess he's pretty strict about his diet while he's doing these conferences so that he reduces, he said, inflammation and he keeps up his energy and all that kind of stuff. And then he said he doesn't talk to his wife, Denise, for three days after he gets home. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I we definitely need to train for like a marathon kind yeah. of thing next yeah. time we go. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. So that was my bad. Okay. Tell me you're ugly. Hit my me. ugly. Yep. Okay. Good Lord. I know the slogan for Texas is everything is bigger in Texas. But the cost of the food, holy cow. It was terrible. I know. That, that I had that too. Yeah. I had to take out a loan for each meal. <laughs> we really did. It was really bad. I wrote on my bed, on, on my ugly, the prices of all the food. It was insane. Yeah. I mean, you, well, we're right downtown Austin. So right near the river in this nice hotel. So all the restaurants around, um, even the little food truck. The little food truck was crazy with expensive. The Greek food. Yeah. Or Greek-ish. It was Greek and Mexican. Greek Tex-Mex. Is that, yeah, that's what, yeah, that's it, what it said. That's what it said. Ziki. It was delicious, but it was expensive. It Holy was. cow. Everything was very expensive. I mean, for one fry and a little burger was $35. <laughs> one fry. <laughs> okay, that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but it was... It was insane. So we were leaving, and we were on our way home, and we stopped at In-N-Out Burger. I've never mm-hmm. had an In-N-Out Burger before, and it was very tasty. We stopped there, and the total came to like $21. And as we were pulling forward, do you remember what I you mean said the, to me? I mean, that was the cheapest meal we ate all weekend. You pointed out that both of us together ate for less than what one of us ate the whole time we were in Austin at any meal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was pretty crazy. That yeah. was. And then my last ugly was, um, like I mentioned, long days. So we didn't have any time to really explore Austin. Yeah. I would. I was disappointed we didn't have more time for that. I really. I wanted to go geocaching while we were there. I wanted to see if we could find Austin City Limits and sit through a show. Is that show still on? I don't know, but only we didn't you, know. We didn't. You only you would pull out something old <laughs> like that. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, so there you have it. Our good, bad, and ugly from Coaching Summit. Yep. Let me ask you a question. Would you do it again? Would you go again? Oh hell yeah. 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 Any day of the week and twice on Sunday, yes. Why? So he talked about the definition of coaching. Mm-hmm. And I get asked all the time by people, what's the difference between coaching and going to a counselor or a therapist? And I, and I say that one all the time, but nobody hardly ever says what is coaching. And Brendan went over that a lot. And it's just yet another way, his definition, um, since you don't know, He says, coaching is an influence process that leads to discovery, decision-making, performance improvement, and better living. And that is exactly what I've been experiencing since I started working with Mm -hmm. Phoenix last year. My first coach's name was Phoenix, and so is my dog's name. I think it's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I I have experienced this for me, and to go to this kind of a conference that is about not just coaching per se, but because there was a lot of personal development Mm -hmm. in this conference anyway, aside from being a coach. And I know that what I got from this is going to make me serve, it's going to help me serve my clients 
even better at a new level. Mm-hmm. Like I definitely leveled up. I am not like as a coach, I leveled up, but as a human being, I leveled up. Yeah. And I'm not the same. So heck yes, I would go again and will go again. So would you say that the clarification that you got about what coaching is and what makes a good coach was better? Yeah. More clear? Yes. It was interesting. That was one of the things in our breakout groups. So Brendan had us ask and share the same four or five questions to each other. Well, there was like four or five, but Mm -hmm. two of them were always the same. And the two that were always the same were, what are you grateful for, most grateful for at this point in your life and career? Mm -hmm. And the second question was, what makes a great coach? And the other questions after that changed each time from one group to the next. He does a thing, he's big on social learning. And so he very much wanted you to take notes when other people talked about what makes a great coach. When you got answers that were different, he wanted you to take those notes down and think about for yourself what Mm -hmm. you think makes a great coach and how you can step into that. You know, if somebody said, one person said something like a great coach is someone who helps you. He he didn't call it brain drama, but it was Mm -hmm. something like that. And he said they listen without judgment and help you sort through and they don't add drama to it. Mm -hmm. And that was a unique answer that nobody else had said. Right. Yeah, it was such such a great environment. I'll <laughs> shut up now. I can go on and on all night. So there, that's what we've got for you. Thanks for being back on my show with me. Thanks for having me. And thanks for dragging me along to your coaching summit. <laughs> I, I really uh, enjoyed it. I got a lot out of it. I needed the arm candy. I hope you guys have a great week. I'll be back next time. Talk to you later. See you later. Okay, that's all I've got for you this time. If you want to see if my coaching program can help you, you can set up a Blue Skies call with me to learn more. It's free. I'm not high pressure. I'm not going to badger you. We just have a conversation. You tell me the things you need, what you're looking for, and I tell you what I do to help people and how my program might work with you. If they match up, great. If they don't, all you've lost is an hour of your time. Link is in the show notes. Talk to you next week.